if you have to keep your hands in every aspect of your life or business, then you either cannot trust the ones with which you've surrounded yourself, you don't know what's going on around you enough to let go, or you aren't as good as you assume you are. Micromanagers are the bane of my existence. Pick a complex, Napoleon, gym rat, you drive a lifted truck, you drive a lower truck. Whatever you interpret as evidence of a shortcoming. Lil Dick Syndrome for anybody that needs it spelled out off color. Nothing is worse than a micromanager. Thinks they know everything, but they can't step away long enough to see if their leadership is effective. Does the world keep spinning when you step away? You got to step away to find out. It's sad that in this day and age, anyone thinks this is a good approach. Today, for me as a corporate employee, if you can't trust the people that report to you, can I trust you? You're only as good as your least effective employee. You're only as good as your worst behaved child. I hope you take inventory of your effectiveness because I am. The way you take care of those around you, the way you allow them to flourish, hell, the way you allow them to fail and then build them back up. That's the only measure of a leader. Not the total output. The total output is only successful if everyone's pulling in the same direction. Sometimes you got to step away and evaluate your own work. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my madness method. I did some thinking, and I realized I may have undersold exactly how deep things were getting out in Western Ranch. Now, the amount of money that was coming in was more than a little bit. The attention I was getting was definitely more than just the party guy, even though that that was the perception of the situation that I retained. And that was the world that I chose to live in at that moment. I definitely knew that when I walked into a room, I was being recognized. Okay. Now that doesn't take away from the part of the story where I tell you, I sat next to strangers and listened to stories about me, people I've never met that never ceases to entertain. But the reality was people know who I am at this point. They know what I'm about. I think they're learning not to fuck around. You know, because the reality is you don't pay your bills, you get fucked up, okay? You don't follow the rules, you get fucked up. You don't act right with the dope, you, you get cut off and probably fucked up. Now, even though I was surrounding myself with people that may not be involved in the game, like, oh, oh, was a gentle giant and a very nice guy, but he was also very against me being disrespected. I kind of had to wind up like, Hey bro, like just relax. Like, cause he was just always on. And I, I didn't want that from him, nor did I ask him, but he was way bigger than me. What was I going to do? It was around this time that Joe and I, we were kind of clicking up a little bit. Now I knew by this time, his whole vibe kind of changed with me. So I realized that he was figuring out, had figured out or had always known who I was, what I was doing, and so on. And I don't really know if this was a keep your enemies close type of situation, but he and I, in theory, paired up. We were always at his house, hanging out in his garage, getting fucking twacked out. And we never went anywhere. We, we sat still and let the world revolve around us. We weren't doing any of 
the dealing. At least I wasn't. You know, I, I knew he did, but he'd go run off around the corner and go handle his business. He would never deal from where he stayed, which is smart. But I mean, also you're going somewhere else and and flagging attention down and then bringing it back to your. So I, there's no win there. There was a lot of time spent amongst each other. Our girlfriends, you know, Cindy and fucking Dana. I should explain Dana. The reason why I got no love loss for this bitch, and fuck it, I'll tell it now. So she came over and she wanted to tell this fucking story like it was funny. She's like, man, I, I fell asleep the other day. And, and when I woke up, my baby was sitting there sucking on my dope pipe. And I'm, what the fuck? And she's like, oh, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, no. And I cleaned it and she's okay. And what the fuck did you just say? I'm telling you, I wanted to snatch this girl up. Had she had any remorse in her voice, I would have felt differently. But I want to tell you right now. I mean, how many rules, y'all? I've told you all the rules. How many did she just break in the worst fucking way? So, yeah, there's that. And the first time that Cindy went over to hang out with her and one of her girlfriends, they were chilling over there. Joe and I were doing whatever the fuck we were doing at his house. And she wound up telling me down the road that while they were all hanging out and doing what they were doing, these girls were giggling. And she was like, what are you guys laughing about? They were like, we're going to turn this bitch out. Like, wait. So these two little dumbass, tweaking ass white girls thought that they were going to do what to my girl? Like what? Turn her out. How? Like, you, you think now you're pimps? These little white, white girls in the burbs are, are pimps? And you have this misconception that I'd let you live for doing that. Like, <laughs> wow, that's impressive. So that's that no love loss for that crackhead little tweaking bitch. Sorry. <laughs> Still getting my feelings about that one. Mind you, I didn't find out that story about her kid and the story about what happened when Cindy went to hang out over there. Those were a little later down the road. Like we all initially had a pretty good time. Like, you know, when we got really good and on one and the night was slow, we'd go like the normal tweakers in the area and we'd go to 24 hour Walmart and buy a shitload of Hot Wheels. It was fun ish. But as this evolved and then these, the, the thing with Dana and her kid and, and, and I needed some separation here. I, I realized that uh, everything's going really well. All my pawns are in the right place. I've got respect and money and cars. But you know what? I, w w what's weird is, do you live where you work? Like right now, are you sitting in your office and that's where you live? I'm not talking about work from home. That doesn't count. Okay. What I'm talking about is you do not live and work 100% at the same place. I hope. But here I am working in Western Ranch and living in Western Ranch. It's too, it's too, it was too close. Like I was keeping myself with both feet in the fire. And that's, that's not smart. That's a zero commute. Where, where do you get to decompress? It was time to get my own place. Yeah, finally. You know, I mean, I guess when you don't sleep, why do you need somewhere to sleep, right? Why do you need a bedroom, a place to put a bed when you don't need one? But it was time. I needed a little space. Like I kind of, I've done what I've, I've set out to do and I don't need to have my fingers in everything that's going on. So at this time, it, it didn't even dawn on me. And looking back, it's kind of strange that it never dawned on me to buy a house. I always saw buying a home as 
something you did when you were like in your mid thirties, right? Shit. You'd be lucky to do it now in, in your forties, the way things are going. But I did what everybody else was doing. And I went and got an apartment up in North Stockton. It was up off of March lane on the West side of I five. Nice place. It was really nice. Now I'm no fool. We got somebody else to put it in their name. I put nothing in my name. Nothing went in my name. How the hell was I going to explain anything being in my name? But we'd get this spot. Now, Cindy had somewhere safe to be, somewhere that that she would be okay, because I was very protective of her. The only reason I drug her around with me is, one, I didn't trust anyone. And two, it was my job to protect her. So now I've got her somewhere safe, somewhere that I can now commute to work, right? Quote, unquote. And somewhere that I can leave that space and go and just have some decompression time. So we got comfortable out there. You know, every now and then when Joe needed an escape, he'd, he'd come over. He wasn't allowed to bring Dana. He'd hang out. You know, one night he came over and he's like showing me his new toy he got. I don't know if he traded dope for it, if he bought it or whatever, but it was his cattle prod. His fucking cattle prod was like, a, I don't know, it was a thousand. It was a shitload of volts. Okay. And at the top had two gold posts that stuck up and, and, you know, I mean, when this, when you hit the button, it clack, 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 the, the noise, I'm like, God damn, are you hitting cows with that? That's brutal. And you want to hit people with this? This is crazy talk. And then he was like, hey, yeah, but, but yeah, after the last clack, once you let it go, there's still one charge in it. So you got to release it on something. And I was like, okay. And so we're sitting down and, you know, having a tweaker's meal, right? A Taco Bell grilled stuffed burrito and a packed pipe. And that was dinner. And I started waving this damn cattle prod around, clack, 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 showing somebody, I don't know. And then I sat it down and I touched that motherfucker. I touched the top. My hand flew up to the ceiling. I got hit against the wall. Like that was not a good day, but I tell you, that's some funny shit. Cause when he was telling me, make sure you release the last charge. I was, oh yeah, bro. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I learned that day. Joe showed up one night and he told me about, uh, Word going around, there's this kid that's out in the ranch, and he's homeless. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, he's like 15, 16, something like that. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? I haven't caught wind of nothing like that. He's like, yeah, this kid's going around, like, breaking into people's houses, stealing, doing drugs. I was like, wait a minute. Who the fuck's he getting his dope from? So this sent me down a rabbit hole because I needed to figure that out. It better can be my dope. It better not be my dope. So I started asking questions and I talked to Nate and I talked to O and Robert and they all kind of knew about him and they'd all gone to school with them. And my understanding was, is that both of his parents had passed and, and it may have been in a car accident or something, but later down the line, I had learned that he had an aunt that was supposed to keep charge of him, but she couldn't keep a rein on him. So he was running around Western Ranch, homeless, breaking into shit, trying to survive, you know, doing what he felt he had to do as a 15 or 16 year old with nowhere to go. And this emotion wrapped around me that I had to do something for him, not drug wise, not I, I needed to try to help him. There can't be a 16-year-old homeless kid in my neighborhood, not because he's homeless and he can't be there, but because that's not right. And ultimately, I arranged a meeting with him that I, I needed to appear random. And his name was Eric. 
and Eric was a good kid. He was a little jacked. He was, you know, stocky little, you could tell this kid worked out. He was in good shape. Like he wasn't hurting. He was doing pretty well for himself, but he, uh, he and I hit it off. We had some conversations. I just kind of let him tell his story and I, uh, I just listened. I, I, of course I wasn't getting him high. You know, I didn't ask him nothing. I just let him talk. And over time I would keep arranging that I would be wherever he was so I could build this trust with him. And as fucked up as a comparison is, as it is, but imagine a feral dog. Okay. You've got to gain their trust. Okay. They don't trust and you got to gain their trust. You can't just snatch them up. That's not going to be any good. But I started putting the word out that people need to quit whoever the fuck sending this kid to steal shit or whoever the fuck is buying the shit from him. They got to stop or somebody's going to come see you. I made it to where I'd funneled him to me. He didn't almost have a choice but to come to me because I was offering him, hey, man, if you need money, if you need food, if you need clothes, whatever, man. And I funneled him to me. It reached a point where he started hanging out with me, and I knew that he was getting high, but he couldn't get high around me, nor would I get high while he was with me. That didn't mean I didn't run off and go because I'm still an addict, okay? I'm still an addict. I'm still somebody with massive mental issues at the moment and my perception of reality is shot, but yet I'm trying to help this kid. And uh, he started telling me a story about his parents, left out the piece about his aunt, but I offered him a place to come stay. And, you know, Cindy and I both agreed that this is the right thing to do. And I told, look, I live up in, in North Stockton. You come up, you stay with me. You stop all this bullshit you're doing, I'll put you in school. You know, I put him up in a school up in Lodi that's right off of I-5. It was a couple exits up. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. I said, all right, man. Get wherever you keep whatever shit you got, man. Get it. And I'll come get you. And I, uh, I moved him in with us. Before I could enroll him, I had to be some type of guardian for him. So I went down. And I applied to be his guardian and we went through the whole process. Now, mind you, at this point, which is very, very interesting because I did a whole background check. I did interviews. I did the whole process and they allowed me, the system allowed me to adopt this kid, Eric, and he's now mine. He's my, I'm, he, I'm his guardian now. There was some, some money tied up in that, that I just, it went to him. I enrolled him in school. He played football. He was great at football. Okay, made sure he got on the football team, even though it was too late to sign up. I went to the school. I talked to the coach. Hey, man, this is the kid's situation, blah, blah, blah. Coach said, yeah, we'll give him a shot. So now I've got a ranch full of worker bees, a whole bunch of ranch hands taking care of the crops, right? I, I somehow now have adopted a 16-year-old, and I might have been 25 at the time, responsible for almost an adult when I'm not even responsible for myself. It's wild looking back. You know, I was now taking somebody to school and then going to work and I'd go out to the ranch and fucking keep tabs on shit and collect money and have a good time, whatever my good time included. You know, I got to tell you, I was very open in some beginning episodes of this that, uh, I was like oblivious to any interest 
from females. Like if they were interested in me, I wouldn't fucking know it. Still to this day, I still get to, oh yeah, that girl had a huge crush on me. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. She was just being nice. But what I learned is this meth is dope, was a massive aphrodisiac. And girls started behaving a certain way around me. And I do not like it. I don't. Like I'm, I'm never, I don't want to go to strip clubs. I don't want to see anything. If I have to pay for it, I don't want it. If you don't want to show it to me because it's me, I don't want to see it. And that's just across the board. Like if you don't want me to see you naked, like want me, not let me, want me. Like I, I just don't want anything to do with it. And the fact that these girls would start acting some kind of way, it was the dope. It had nothing to do with me and my, my ego, my, my personality, it, fundamentally, any one of my personalities, pick one, it, whether it was my ego or my id or my emotions, whatever it was, whichever one of me was active at the moment still needed to be wanted. Not for my dope, for my money. I'll tell you, I don't like it at all. You know, and that just falls into that rule of these cats that are using dope to try to get laid because it's fucking easy. It was easy. And that's, that's not all right to me. That you do you. I'm not, whatever you do is what you do. I'm not judging anybody. But the ranch started getting hot. The ranch started getting hot. But I still had places I could go lie low. I could lay low at Emmett's. I could lay low at Joe's. I could lay low, well, at my parents. But that's, you know, I would just stop in. I try to keep any attention away from there. OG Mike's house. I don't know. I don't know if they were a fan of me being over there. I think they knew why I was there and I could go lay low in my apartment, but I had a good life for a hot second, a good life dealing dope. The beginning of the end for me and Joe happened curiously. I was on my way to Joe's house from my apartment and I needed to stop. I, I, I stopped on the way down. I pulled off at an AM PM needed to air up my tires. And there was this cat that pulled up in this, it was a pretty cool car. I think it was a Ford Focus, but it was done up. It was nice. And the dude gets out. He's talking about my car. I'm talking about his car, back and forth, back and forth. We kind of chopped it up. He was like, yeah, my name's Troy. <sighs> Fucking Troy's, man. Y'all ever met a Troy? Fuck. Should have known better. This guy, Troy, he's a big dude. He's pretty jacked. Starts telling me they fucking, yeah, he's an MMA fighter, this, that, and the other. I'm like, cool, man. Like, fucking, here, I, you know, I text him. Here's my number. Fucking hit me up, dude. We'll fucking hang out, whatever. Troy and I hung out fucking down the road. Turns out he parties. So we'd sit around. We'd get fucked up. Joe was with me one night. He went with me over to Troy's house. We were at Troy's getting good and fucked up. Joe and Troy are hitting it off. Joe's like, hey, McKin, you cool if we fucking connect? I'm like, yeah, go for it, bro. It's all you. Joe and Troy started spending an obnoxious amount of time together. And that's fine. I had my own shit going on. But I definitely felt that there was a wedge being driven between Joe and I, which is cool because I'm, I'm not sure that me and that cat were ever actually homies to begin with, but I know that Joe was like one of them front and ass, like fucking kind of buster motherfuckers, right? Like he needed to keep solid motherfuckers around him. So he felt solid because he was not. And that's cool. I'm, I'm all right with that. 
But we ran into one problem. Joe started trying to front on me like he was going to try to punk me now. And he just like, when I'd come over, he'd kind of like blow me off. Like, why are you here? Some weird shit. I'm like, all right, it's cool. I guess I'll just go. And Eric caught wind of this. And even though I'm, I'm telling Eric, like, no more drugs, no more this, no more that. Eric goes over to confront Joe. What the fuck's going on? Joe winds up getting him high. Now Eric's back on the shit. And now he's back to thieving. He's back to his same old bullshit. And now I, now I have a real motherfucking, now I got a real problem. Because not only is Joe serving to fucking kids, but he's serving to my kid. But now Joe has surrounded himself with Troy that presents himself as an MMA fighter. I don't really know. Then there's this other guy, this other dude, Tony, that, that kind of just appeared. I don't know where the fuck this guy came from. I don't know if it came from Joe's hookups and he, this guy's just a fucking follows the bag kind of cat. But this dude was a problem. I watched this dude in front of me headbutt his girl right in the chest because she got high without him. Like... This guy was scary. He was he was scary. He was like Rick Rude, dude. Like, fuck, what do I do about this? But I, I got a problem now. Outside of these cats that Joe's got around him. Eric is back to thieving his shit and winds up stealing Joe's security cameras. Now that Eric's back on the dope, like he's mad at me because I, I don't know what Joe was telling him while they were hanging out and, and they were cool but now that Joe's getting him high and giving Eric all those things that make him feel real good, he's buying everything that fucking Joe's selling. And now not only is there a wedge between me and Joe, but now there's a wedge between me and Eric and Eric lives in my house. And Eric steals this dude's cameras and then tells him, I told him to do it. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, bro. At the time, I didn't know that that's what was going on. I had no idea that that's what Eric was telling Joe. And I didn't necessarily at that moment in time know that Joe was getting him high. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't assume that that was the problem. Eric tells Joe that I stole his cameras. And it turns out the reason why Eric was stirring up this shit is because Joe convinced Eric that I was using the money that we were getting from the state for having adopted him to buy drugs and get high without him and da 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 and all this shit. And now he's getting this kid high and he's buying it hook, line, and sinker. When I'm spending all this money on his clothes, on his school, on... And I'm just oblivious to this specific fact, which would have been fantastic. But I'm sitting in my apartment one night. It's just Cindy and I. And there's this loud bang on my door. I mean, loud. I thought the cops were there. Cindy opens the door and it's Joe and this, this fucking dude, I, Tony or some shit, whatever that guy's name was, the one that headbutted his girl. It's them. And they're, they're there to do some shit. They're there to fucking handle some business because they think I stole or had Eric steal their shit. And I, I, I played it as cool as I can. I'm telling you, I have been a professional actor my whole fucking life. Because I was fucking scared. I'm not going to lie. Dude, again, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I, but I stay on the couch exactly where I was. And man, I tell you, 
Cindy's a fucking like having a, a, a pit bull and a chihuahua and fucking you pick a mean animal, a fucking badger, all of them. Cause she's fuck you, motherfucker, get the fuck out of here. And I just sat on the couch like, bro, what's up? Oh, you know, he wants to get loud. It's the other dude I was worried about. I know Joe ain't going to do shit. I'll drop that dude just flinching at him. It's the other dude I'm worried about. And I kept it cool sitting on the couch. Fuck you, bro. You know, I didn't steal your shit. Fuck up out of here. It never dawned on me that in that time frame to even ask, who the fuck told you that? Why? Why the fuck? Bro, I wanted to show him a pile of some fucking money. Like, bro, I don't need your fucking cameras. I can buy my own and better ones. But my, I don't I don't need to fucking have a discussion about my money with these guys. But I tell you, Cindy got so fucking loud. She ran these motherfuckers. It was kind of funny. They were like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Fuck it, whatever. Because between me telling them, you're fucking stupid. You know I didn't take that shit. You know I didn't send anybody to take that shit because that's not what I send people to do. But you have to believe, and I know he did, you know I didn't take your shit. Dude, I'm not a thief. You're not going to come in my house calling me a thief. I suggest you go. And they left. No more incident. It's crazy. Man, I thought for sure something was about to jump off. And I think reason set in. So Joe called off his pit bull. I called off mine. But the unfortunate reality was this night was too loud and too hot because I had already been making a bunch of noise in this apartment complex with my stereo system. Like I was, I was one of those fucking asshole neighbors. Like I'd blast my system in the, the parking lot on a Saturday to tune it, you know, like people were sick of my shit. And this was like the final straw. We wound up getting a notice over that night and we had to go, but where were we going to go? Who was I going to find to get me another place? Cause again, I don't put shit in my own name. As luck would have it, we ran into somebody from the past and they were more than willing to help. It's interesting, the people that are willing to do you favors because they only seem to want to do favors for you when you don't need them. But when you really need them, man, they ain't nowhere to be found. Careful, careful who you let help. Slippery slope. Listen, if you like what you're hearing here, if it's helping you at all, if it's just entertaining, I want to hear from you. At my madness method on Instagram, my madness method 819 at Gmail. I want you to celebrate your sobriety. I know that there are parts of this story that don't feel like that they're leading towards a sobriety conversation, but man, celebrate out loud. Don't let anybody tell you that your journey of recovery needs to be kept quiet. If keeping it quiet is how you choose, to address it, I, I support you 100%. Keep up with it. But for those of you that want to say something and feel like you shouldn't, do it. Recover out loud. Celebrate it. Reach out to me. Let me know. Tell me. I'll follow you. Shoot me your Instagram. Shoot me your email. Wh whatever. We have to celebrate each other, whether we're doing it out loud or quietly. Let's all do it together. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my madness method. Pull up in motorcades. I got a show today. It's all I'm trying to do. Hustle and motivate. Choppers are throw away. Hustle the overweight. That's why they follow me, huh? They think I know the